Honor. Honor. I'm telling you, I'm sitting, I, I was sitting right there in worship, and I don't know if y'all noticed, I never go grab my notebook, and you rarely see me jotting a lot of stuff down, but I just felt the Lord talking to me, and I have gone over the same stuff over and over and over every night. And tonight I removed it. I removed my uh, my catch-up or my overview. And the Lord just started telling me, go back to it. Go back to it. We need this thing on honor to sink in. And it is for our benefit. It is for our family's benefit. It is for our nation's benefit. Uh, but if I can, I'm going to go ahead and go back over this again. Can, y'all, can you switch me over? I'm hitting the button and it's not happening. Are we going to work? My bad. Oh, you know what? I do not have plugged in my little USB thing. Do you see it there? Great. All right. Hey, hit the hit the little trackpad one time. There we go. First John, Second John, one eight. You know something that I hope even though I've said this every single week, that this would actually start to sink in. That maybe I wouldn't even have to put the verse up that you would know. Do you know what's coming? You've heard it every week. You may have missed last week. Well, you didn't miss anything. We had VBS last week, so you didn't miss last week. But it says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we have worked for. Again, we can lose the things we work for. Amen? It's happening every day. We can lose the things that we've worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Say reward. We've been looking all week, probably for a month now, um, that God is a rewarder. I have scripture that backs that up, but it says a full reward. We have seen through story after story after story that there are three three different levels here. You can receive a full reward, you can receive a partial reward, and you can receive No reward. Amen. No reward. That as you look at Scripture and the ministry of Jesus, we saw that some received full, some received partial, some received uh, no rewards. Um, Are you with me so far? All right. Mark 6. And I'd I'd removed this um, from my notes, but I'm going to read it to you. Matthew, Mark 6, 5. It says, Jesus had had gone back to Nazareth. And he was rejected in Nazareth. It says in Mark 6, 5, and I'm not going to put this one up for you. It says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Again, the key word here is could. He could do no mighty work. It doesn't say he would do no mighty work. He could do no mighty work. If we are not seeing, you say, Pastor, why do you keep going over this and over this and over this? Because many of us are here and we are not seeing our breakthrough. And I believe that it, are there, are there many factors in our, in our life, whether it's in the flesh or whether it's in the spirit? Yes. But I believe one of the main reasons, I believe if we honor the Lord and if we obey him in the way that he teaches us to honor, which he teaches us, if we'll honor each other, and I'll show you that in a minute, that it's the same as honoring him. If you will honor If I will honor my wife, it's the same as honoring God. I am honoring God by honoring my wife. I am honoring you. I'm honoring God, Wayne, when I honor you. Do you remember? We have been over these scriptures. 
And it says here in Mark 6, 5 that he could do no mighty work there except that he laid a few hands, uh, uh, except that his laid a few hands on a few sick people and healed them. And it shows us here in Mark 6 that they did not honor him. They said, we know Jesus. Jesus. My son went to school with Jesus. We know Jesus. My daughter went to school with Jesus. My son learned to do woodworking with Jesus. Couldn't be Jesus. And it says he could do. He could do no mighty works there. If it had said he would do, that would be based on what Jesus was willing to do. But it says he couldn't do it. Meaning he was restrained. And I believe the sole reason here is because of honor. And I believe if we will allow this honoring, we we don't get it because we live in a nation that doesn't have a king. And we don't understand how to honor the king. We, as I've talked in the last few weeks, we mix up worship with honor, and they're not the same thing. Again, this word honor in the, in the Greek is teemi, T-E-E-M-E-E. It's, uh, um, it's what it sounds like, but it's spelled time, T-I-M-E, but it says teemi, and it means to value. The word means to value. When, when a Greek person hears the word teemi, he thinks of something valuable, precious, weighty, like gold. But if you look at the reverse of the word, it means to treat as common, to dishonor or to treat as common. That they here in Nazareth treated Jesus as common. Gave little or no respect. We've looked at the Roman soldier that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I have a man that's sick. I have someone that's sick. I have a boy that's sick. Jesus says, I'll go with you. The Roman soldier says, no, you don't have to go if you will just say it. I know it'll happen because I'm a man under authority. I'm a man that understands that when an order is given, it's carried out. And I know that you have authority. All you've got to do is just say it. And what does Jesus say to him? I've not seen faith like this in all of Jerusalem. Because of honor. Then we looked at the Seraphonician woman. And how she was saying, can you just give me the crumbs? She was saying... um, she was asking for healing. I'm, I'm getting confused here because i got so many things going through my head. And Jesus said, uh, help me, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to get this out if it kills me. Jesus said, um, wouldn't give the child's bread to dogs. Do you remember? And the woman didn't get offended. If it was a woman of today in America, it would be, I can't believe you'd say something like that. It just is, That's just the, the, the epitome of church. You just go in there, a bunch of hypocrites. What kind of preacher are you? Call me a dog. She didn't. She said, even the dogs get the crumbs up off the ground. And what did he say? He was amazed by her faith because of honor. We have, a, we have a choice, either to get offended or to pursue. And she pursued by honoring him and knowing who he was and knowing he's my only hope. And Jesus, in what looked like an insult, was positioning her for blessing. It was just a test. Woman, I'm going to give you a test. It's going to push the button that I know how to push. And here it is. What are you going to do? 
and she reacted, right? And you know what? Not only was, was she healed, not only did she get her answer, but she's been remembered forever because of the impact that it had on Jesus. Jesus was moved. Help me, Lord. Then we saw Hannah and how she couldn't have babies and how she went to, she, they went to their annual uh, time of worship and went, into the, went to the altar, fell down at the altar, crying out to God to give her a child. And the priest, the corrupt priest came up and said, woman, what are you doing? You are drunk. Get out of here. And she could have become offended. But she didn't. She was there to plead her case. And even though the priest was corrupt, that priest was able to speak prophetically over her and speak that blessing over her and her receive that son, that son that was Samuel. Because she didn't get offended and run out. Do you see, she was there on her face. Have you ever been on your face and you're praying and something tries to get in your way to stop you? And I bet that even in your life you could say, I remember getting to that place and I stopped. Something happened, somebody made me mad, and I went the other direction. And I believe that the Lord sometimes will lead you to him and then say, will you stay here with me? How bad do you want it? Will you honor me when it looks like you're being spit on? Will you honor me? Because I've got the answer for you. Sometimes I'm just going to test you. Are you with me? We've looked at, we've seen in the last few weeks that there are three levels of authority that we have to deal with. The levels that are over you, which is obvious. We all know we need to honor those that are over us, those that are equal to us, and those that are under us. And we've seen it over the last three or four weeks that there is a reward to honoring each one. Right? Amen? This is why I have notes. And see, I'm trying to catch you up without my notes. <laughs> and you can see, notes are a good thing in my life because my mind just starts racing. But those who are above you, those who are on your level, and those who are under you. And when I was going over this, I realized I kind of jumped the gun and I did not finish dealing with those who are under you in authority. And I want to stay there just for a moment, and then we're going to move on to, uh, um, what is it? It is the uh, four areas of delegated authority. That's where we left off last week. But if we can look at those who are under you, I, I never did talk about that. Jesus said, and whoever gives one of these little ones, do you remember when he was talking about the children and saying to let them come and not to reject them? He is talking about those who are under us in authority. And by honoring them, there is a reward. And you can look at the way that some bosses treat their employees. You think, what is wrong with this situation? What is wrong here? These are the people that God has given you to help you accomplish the things that he's call, called you to accomplish. Do you realize the people that you are over in authority have been placed there to help you accomplish God's call on your life? Whether you're in the secular world or whether you're in, the, in ministry. Those people that you have have been given to you to help you accomplish your task. Because if you've got people under you, you must not can do it all on your own. You need to come to the realization that you can't do it all. And you need people to help you. What good does it do 
to cut them to cut the people under you down all the time. How how does that gain you at all? It doesn't gain you. These people have been given to you. You know, I look at my staff, everyone on my staff, as valuable. Now, do I mess up? Sure, I do. If you've been, you just hang around me just for a little while, and you'll see me mess up. Whatever you do, don't think that I'm up here to say I got it all together. But I will tell you, I have value in my staff, in Pastor Stephen, and Pastor Zach, and Miss Bobby, in Miss Gloria, in uh, Milton Fisher, in all those, all those paid staff workers. Not to mention the hundreds of workers that we have working. You know, something happened to me back there in, in the sound booth. The, the pastor and the pastor's wife continually honored me. They continually built me up. Why? Because they needed me to do a good job. They were having a... We had had a train wreck in the sound booth and I had never done sound. <laughs> so believe me, they were they were rooting for me. But had they tore me down, what would I have done? I'd have just left. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to play this thing too far out. But I don't know where the church would be if if I'd left, or I don't know where I'd be if I'd left. That's the scary thing. Is how God had mercy on me to put two people over me that built me up, didn't tear me down and throw me out. So I look at my staff and I realize I can't do this on my own. And tearing them down does me no good. I've got to build them up because we've got a huge job to do here. When you walk out of here and the things that you've got going on, you've got people that you need to, wouldn't you like to see them kick it up about 50%? Say it runs downhill. You want them to do better, start treating them better. Start treating them better. Value them. Look at the way some fathers talk to their children. These are your heirs. These are the ones that are going to carry your name. My uh, out of my my dad out of my dad's family, the Ramsey family came. Uh, is it four boys and four girls? Three girls, four boys. Yeah, and out of those four boys, only two sons. They only had two sons, and one of the sons died at 26. And I'm the only son left out of seven kids. I'm the only son left with the name Ramsey. There are other sons that the daughters had, but I'm the only one out of that whole huge group. Out of 25 grandkids, I think, that they have, there's only one son that has the name Ramsey. I said that, but I may not have made it clear. But look at how important these children are to you. And, and what we do is we keep tearing them down and tearing them down and tearing them down. And God says, don't tear them down. They are the generation that's going to take you where you want to go. We build our children up. You know, it's important that we encourage our children. And it's important that we tell them they're, that they're beautiful and that they're going to be successful. You know why? Because no one else will tell them that. They will not hear it anywhere else. That's your job, parents. You know, it is the funniest thing. It is the cutest thing when I tell my children, you are so beautiful. And they say, I know. You know, and you want to think they shouldn't say that. No, you know what? That's a pure heart. That's all they've heard. 
They don't have any reason to think they're not beautiful. Their daddy and their mommy's told them they're beautiful. In their mind, they are beautiful. That's what God says about you. That's what God says about you, that you're beautiful. And you're going to be successful. You know, we talked about it Sunday, about how the self-help is so important. God is speaking over you, saying, I've created you, and I've created you perfectly. You are wonderfully made, wonderfully made. How important it is. And this is God Almighty with all authority saying that over a human being. Do you see the honor that is coming from the throne? Isn't that a great picture? What are we doing as parents? What are we doing as parents when we keep tearing them down? We need to speak positively. And then you look at then you look at the way that men talk, and I'm, I'm hitting the men tonight. The men talk about their wives. And it says in 1 Peter 3, it says, shoot. doesn't say shoot. Where is this? I miss it. Well, I'm going to jump the gun here. We're going to, I didn't think I deleted it. Come on. We'll come back here. I showed y'all these last week or two weeks ago. I want to see what this next scripture is. Won't go to the next one. Can you hit the, there we go. There we go. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers won't be hindered. You have a hard time talking positively about your wife and you're wondering why you're not getting, you're not seeing God move in your life. You, you, you want to, you want me to give you a little, a little key, key uh, point. Look up the scriptures that tell you where your prayers will be hindered and correct those areas. Two of them I can tell you right off the top of my head. Forgiveness and honor my wife. Forgiveness and honor my wife. Are you carrying unforgiveness? Don't expect your prayers to be heard. Are you regularly tearing down your wife? Don't expect your prayers to be heard. Is that, is that kind of rough for me to say? No. If you'll do it, your prayers are going to get heard. My desire is for us, for God to hear us. <laughs> as a church and as you individually. So I'm not against you. I'm for you. And I don't know anything about you husbands. I'm not sitting here trying to, I, I, I try hard not to even look at anybody. But everybody, when I start talking about something, they think I'm looking right at them. I'm like, Pastor, are you looking at me? No, where were you sitting? I was sitting right up. I said, no, I wasn't looking at you. Did it, did it hit you between the eyes? Yeah, didn't receive it. God's, God's looking at you, not me. That's a, that's a good word right there. This scripture, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean she's below you. just means she can't bench press as much as you can. That's all it means. I look at the way some men talk to their wives and wonder why they're not getting rewards. My wife is so strong. 
She is so strong. And let me just say this. She's a lot stronger than me. She will stand in the middle of adversity and she will stare you down until you cave. She will not back down. Something, a word has been said over her that she's a bulldog. And that's not, that's not, that's not giving it justice. When she believes something, she will not stop. And it doesn't matter if I'm even the one to stand in her way. She'll barrel right through me. If you're not going to get on board with what I believe God's saying, then get out of my way. I love that. When she had the thing in her throat, all of a sudden there was scripture up everywhere. We had music going. She'd be praying and she'd be trying to get you on board with her. And then sure enough, the Lord spoke to her against what every doctor had said. And she was healed. It was She was healed by the Lord speaking to her and her having to do something in the natural. And that thing went away. So much so that the doctor said, I don't feel it anymore, but I'm going to send you to a second opinion. And the second opinion said, that other doctor must be out of his mind. We're not doing surgery. Because she bulldogged through it. She will not stop when she has a strong conviction on her life of knowing what's right. And let me just warn you, don't go up against her because you'll lose. It, it is absolutely the truth. She has a passion for the Lord and she will not back down. And if you will listen to her, she has a message for you. Not to mention she's a knockout. She's pretty to boot. What was that? (laughs) The Lord tells me to honor my wife, and I don't do it very regularly, especially from the pulpit. I've come out of a I come out of a household that says don't don't toot your own horn. And I'm sorry, she's part of that household and she kind of suffers that. So rarely will you hear me speak of anything that I've done. You'll usually hear me speak of what I've done wrong. But I want you to know she is, she completes me. <laughs> you know what, this, this, the husbands, this is the way it is. Take some time and honor your wife. And don't just do it by, just by action. You need to do it by words. Women respond to words. The, the days of, I'm going to tell you I love you when I marry you and just don't ever worry about it anymore, just know I love you, doesn't work. It needs to be said. And I love you. And I don't honor you enough. And I forgive me for that. And the Lord will forgive me for that. But uh, we want to do, I want to do better. All right. Honor your kids. Honor your wife. Honor those under you. We went to the New Testament. We saw these four areas of authority. Shoot. I am having uh, technical issues. Everything's right where it's supposed to be. I'm just ahead of myself. Civil authority, church authority, social authority, and family authority. Social authority we looked at last week at your bosses, your teachers, teachers, your coaches. We looked at civil authority and social authority last week. I'm just going to look at family authority, and then we'll be done. We're almost out of time. Family authority, Ephesians 6, I would encourage you, even though I'm going to put this up for you, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, family authority. 
Let's hear those Bibles wrestling around. Get over here to this one. This is one that should be marked more than once. You want a clear statement of how to be blessed. This is it. And this is where we fail so many times is that we speak so negatively of our parents. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. What is the promise? There's actually two. First promise, that it may be well with you. That would be enough right there, that things would be good, that things in my life would turn out good, that you would be in good shape, that I would be in good shape, but also that you would live a long life on the earth. Did you know that God says he promises you? He promises you a good life, a successful life, and that you won't die prematurely. But you might say, hey, I've known some people that honored their parents, but they died young. Now catch this. That's because every promise of God has to be appropriated by faith. Going to get just a little bit deep right here. It is not automatic. God says to Abraham that through Isaac, that the nations are going to come to him, that are going to come through him, right? He says, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. Through Isaac, you're going to be the father of many nations. Well, who picked out Isaac's wife? You may say the servant. No, it wasn't the servant. It was God. Because the servant prayed before he got there and said, God... Give me the right one. When I step out here, the one that comes out and waters my camels, that that would be the one. What's he doing? He is taking his desire, what he would see in the flesh, what he would see might be the right one, and saying, nope, God, you send me the right one. Regardless of what comes to me, that will be the one. Because the servant, Abraham's servant, prayed that the woman who watered the camels would be the one who would be his master's son. So Rebecca comes out and waters all the camels, right? He's all excited. Here's the one God picked. Brings her back, and she's barren. She can't have kids. So if the promise of God is automatic, why did God give Isaac a woman that couldn't have babies? It was The Bible says that it wasn't until in Genesis that Isaac cried out to the Lord, and God heard his prayer and opened her womb. Why was he crying out? He was reminding God of his covenant promise. Do you know why? Why was he reminding God? Psalm 119 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled or established in heaven. It doesn't say, Forever, O Lord, your word is established in heaven and earth. Why doesn't it say that? Why doesn't it say, Forever, O Lord, your word is established in heaven and earth. Because it hasn't yet. How does does God's word get established in the earth? 2 Corinthians 13.1 says, By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. 
God says in Isaiah 55:11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. So how does it return? It returns out of our mouth. You, I'm going to show you something tonight if you'll let me. The words you speak establishes the word in the earth. When God speaks, he's the first. When we speak, we're the second, and we establish it here on earth. You can look cancer right in the eye and say, I have honored my parents. Now, cancer, you have to be removed. My promise is not that I'm going to be free of cancer. My promise is that I'm going to live long. Now, God's a healer of cancer. But my promise is that things will be well with me, and I shall live, have long days on this earth. This report wants to come at me. What do I do? I establish God's word in my situation right now. God has said it. You'd say, Pastor, God's already done everything. Yeah, but why isn't it all happening? Because you're not, li- you're not walking it out. You're not speaking it out. Now, is that getting kind of rough? Yeah, good. Get, get mad at me. So mad that you'll go out and try it. This, this is one of those moments where uh, everybody says, we're, we're just trying to process it, Pastor. We're just trying to process it. And I'm sitting here needing somebody to stand up and shout, Hallelujah! What, what we need to do is we need to learn to process or in the middle of process and just say, God, I'm trying to process this. But Hallelujah! Now get back to processing. You have got to learn to speak it. You have got, number one, you've got to know his word. Number two, you've got to start speaking it. You've got to start doing it. You've got to start believing it. Because his promises are appropriated by faith. Why then are there's just not everything just happening and all oh, kumbaya, we're going to go tiptoe through the tulips? Because that giant is still standing there. God's given you victory over the giant, but for some reason the giant's still standing there. And he's still torturing us. But God's saying, go out here and use my word. My word has been established in heaven, but you need to go down here and establish it on earth. What did David do? David established God's word on earth, and he said, you're not going to speak like that against my God. And I'm not just going to say that. I'm going to throw something at you, and God's going to kill you. These promises are here for our taking. These, these blessings are here for our taking. You may say, Pastor, you, you do, you're honoring your wife like that was just too much. No, it wasn't. I needed to position myself. And I needed to do it in public. Sometimes you can say the right things in the dark, but will you say them out in the light? You ever notice they don't mean quite as much when nobody's around? But when somebody's around, there's really, there's really something that happens to you. Let me tell you, there's something that happens to you between you and God. I would encourage you. Next week, we're going to look at church honor. And, it, you know, it's going, to, it's going to be awkward for me to teach it because it's going to be about honoring the pastor. But I can't leave that out. It'd be like I, me feeling guilty about talking about tithing and removing the blessing that you're going to have for you tithing. So next week... Honor me by coming. The, the, the reward's for you. Amen?